covering the latest in Toronto sports news, rumors, and predictions. This is the TSV Podcast. Here's your host, Connor Chambers. All right, welcome back to episode four of the TSV Podcast. My name is Connor Chambers. You can check me out on Twitter at TO underscore sports views. You can also check me out on Instagram at TO underscore sports views. With me today, I am very excited to have Hunter of Take Six. Hunter, my man, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I can't complain. I'm very excited to uh, to join the podcast today. This is actually my first time, uh, like being a guest, I guess, on a on another podcast. So, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Beautiful. Well, uh, I'm I'm happy to have you on, and uh, you know, it's 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 different being in a guest versus a host role. Like I I started out as a guest. Um, I know I, I heard that you've been with south of the six before or that south of the six knows of you and has and has done podcasts with you yeah. um and uh it's it's different being a guest versus a host like it's it's a completely different role and, and i found when i started doing my own podcast after i'd been a guest on a few it's it's definitely a different perspective right because now you have to lead the conversation whereas being a guest you can just kind of sit back and relax a little bit and take it easy but uh yeah again uh we're re- i'm really excited to have you on what what the viewers or listeners i guess wouldn't know is when we first started recording this i was in the middle of my intro i had some really whack video come up from mlb.com completely threw me off we had to restart the whole introduction but uh we were off to a great start so hopefully no more random ads pop up that would not be ideal i i would get i would get into more conversation but we have a jam-packed show uh today so we're gonna actually talk about everything toronto sports we're talking about leafs we're talking about raptors we're talking about blue jays we got it all in the docket for you i'm really excited for it uh first time that i've ever had the chance of talking about all three on a podcast so uh it's it's gonna be really interesting to sort of stay tight to our timelines i kind of want to do about 20 minutes each and just keep this within an hour but our conversations could go on i just i feel like the topics are so juicy for everything in toronto right now so we'll see what happens <laughs> we'll still see we'll see how we manage it but uh, i want to start with the maple leafs because you know toronto's tried right <laughs> jesus christ is probably the right answer man yeah to any to any question i'm gonna yeah. pose for you we'll you can just probably end it at just that. say that'll be yeah. that's the quickest right. <laughs> the quickest way we can get through this yeah. we, we can talk more raptors and, and blue jays and then just end the leaf cycle yeah that's it um obviously you're saying what most of leafs nation is saying and um over the last five games Results are not pretty. You got a 3 nothing loss to Nashville, 6-2 loss to the Senators, which are an absolute dog shit team. You had a 7-6 win against Philly, which wasn't really a dominating win. It was a very <laughs> it was a very heart palpitating inducing win. You had a 5-4 loss to Chicago and a 6-2 loss to Tampa, which kind of really started this whole uh, snowball effect of garbage games that the Leafs were doing. My first question or first thought or concern, I want to get your thoughts on the recent struggles with the Leafs. Is it is it something that you're concerned about or is it something that you want to take a look at in a positive light, which I've seen some people do, where they say, hey, you know what, I'd rather get this quote-unquote slump done with. I want to get it, I want to get everything out of the way, 
I'd rather see it all done right now before we get into the playoffs and choke against a Boston or a Tampa. I just want to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, like I see where everyone's coming from in terms of looking at it in a positive light. Like I think going into the playoffs last year, in their last 14 games, they were like 10 and 4 or something like that. And, you know, look where that got them. Not not too well. And obviously every team has their struggles. Like I Winnipeg had a had a couple games where they struggled this year. Nashville got off to a slow yep. start. Washington wasn't looking good. Pittsburgh over the past few years has had a couple weeks of struggles and I think the reason why people are getting so upset about this recent struggles, like including myself, like this is making me so mad, but we're comparing ourselves to Tampa Bay, right? And Tampa Bay has been the best team by far in the league the entire season. They haven't stopped. Yes. And yeah. so I kind of expected struggles, but more so out of the gate from this season because, you know, adding in John Tavares and all these young guys who, you know, realistically, they're probably pretty low coming off that series loss against Boston. And so that's what kind of where I expected the struggles to come. And after seeing them perform at an extremely high level for those first, you know, 25 games or so, having them struggle as much as they have and losing as many games, and it's, it's not so much the losses that anger me it's the poor play right like even if they get wins in you know some of those games in the last five games that you mentioned they're still ugly wins like that philadelphia game ugly win and that's that's where i'm the most concerned with this team because they you know they started to pick up their game a little bit against nashville kind of you know here and there but then they still have those moments where you you give up a goal and they can't come back and they don't start periods well they don't start games well and so that's kind of where it worries me i mean every team like i said every team does it right every team has their struggles yeah absolutely from where they were at the beginning of the season and what they've shown us that they can do it's it's bad that they're not getting up for some of these games like that tampa game when they lost six to like you'd expect a team to get up for that game and and maybe not let in six goals but i I don't know i'm not in the nhl so like i can't uh (laughs) i can't get inside these guys heads you're, you're spot on when you're talking about, you know, it just seems like you're, you're expecting more from this team, right? On paper, you look at this team and you're like, wow, this they have what it takes to, com- to compete against Boston, to compete against Tampa, to potentially make it t- to the Stanley Cup Finals out of the East. The problem is that, and, and it's really kind of sh- reared its ugly head in the last five games, is, is I think that they almost bank too much on their skill. And yeah, we know that we're a great team and, and then they kind of become complacent. And I don't know if it's because some of these guys are just trying to save themselves for the playoffs or whatever. I don't know what's going on in their heads or whether it's it's depth. Obviously, we have some key injuries on this team and some flu bugs going around and all that fun stuff where if you're John Tortorella, you know, you're shitting and throwing up on, on all your ends, right. Or something like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there, there, there's, there's things, there's things that people can blame on the struggles of the Toronto Raptors, of Toronto Maple Leafs and rather not the Toronto Raptors, the Maple Leafs in this instance, you know, I, I, I still like, I try to figure out what they are and they go on these runs and they put together you know, they, they win 6-2 against Calgary the week before, 5-2 against Buffalo, and then 6-2 against Calgary, and you think, okay, this team's on a roll. They're starting to figure it out. They're starting to gel and click, and this is the right time for them going into the playoffs, and then they put up this week like this. Uh, it's it's just 
there, there, there's a lot of concerning things to me. Like Freddie Anderson hasn't played like the Freddie that we know over this last week. And I don't know if it's just cause he's mentally exhausted or what, but that's something that Leafs fans I'm sure will keep an eye out for Mike Babcock's comments, which I'll talk to you about in a second, having me concerned as well, but I kind of want to get your take quickly on Freddie Anderson before I move on to Mike Babcock. I want to get your take on Freddie Anderson and, and your thoughts about his recent struggles. Is it something that you think is an issue moving forward or is this something that you think is just more mental fatigue and just kind of needs a little bit of a break before uh, a first round matchup? I don't think it's very, I don't think it's very concerning in terms of an issue with this team. As we know, like the past few years, this team has relied heavily on Anderson being a good goalie with the weak defense core that they have. And, you know, every now and then you're going to run into a hot team and they've run into some hot teams. And obviously he hasn't played as well as he should be playing, but Philadelphia shouldn't score seven goals on anybody unless they're having a really good game. Chicago shouldn't be scoring five goals. Tampa, that's okay. But the recent struggles are essentially just, I think, the lack of defensive ability that the Leafs possess at the moment yeah like obviously people you know the Muzzin thing happened and Riley and you know Gardner's out and Zaitsev sucks and (laughs) right like it's there's all these different things that kind of work together to have a struggling goaltender and like like I saw a stat the other day where it was like Frederick Anderson's last five seasons or something he's had the exact same save percentage so it's like I think obviously the guy has his lows but when he has his highs like there's very rare times when you see frederick anderson struggling for you know two weeks at a time it's generally a game or two here a game or two there and then he's back up at a you know all-star pace almost right like this year he was in the conversation for the vesna trophy before he got injured and i think he kind of brought himself back into that when he came back and now he's struggling and people are saying he's like you know, they want to run him out of town and stuff. So I I think it's I think it's kind of unfair seeing as the amount of reliability he's given us over this year and last year. And I just I don't I don't like that people are giving him so much criticism. Like, yeah, of course I'd want him to play better, but he's you know, it happens. Stuff happens. And I don't think that people can give the give him all the blame when our defense is as bad as it is. Like nobody wins puck battles. And if he lets in a bad goal, chances are there's going to be two or three bad plays by the defenseman that he bails them out at least in a game. So yeah, it's, you know, it sucks. Of course, like I hate seeing it, but I don't think it's that big of an issue. Like he will, he will have some fantastic games in the playoffs. I will guarantee you that. And he will have some great games to end off this regular season. Like it's, it happens. Every goalie goes through it. Carey Price sucked at the beginning of this year. I, like I, yes, right? So it's it's tough to, like, I don't know. Obviously, it's tough to watch. Like, I hate seeing it. You hate seeing it. Everyone in Toronto obviously hates seeing it, but it's just the way she goes sometimes. The the, the big, well, not, not even really a concern, more just, like, thought with me is that I see Freddie Anderson as, like, a historic goaltender in the sense where, you can almost peg his number, like like you were saying, how he's very consistent in his numbers and save percentage. But you can also take that and say, in history, you know, Freddie Anderson is garbage in October. Then he picks it up in November, and then he 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 plays much better throughout the year. 
And then once he gets to the end of the year, he's a lot more quote unquote average, if you want to say. Like he's not he's not garbage, but he's not the Vesna candidate, Freddie Anderson. Like we've seen that a couple of times in the playoffs now. Um, uh, against against Washington, he had an all right series. Against Boston, he had an all right series. Yeah, that's. A, uh, I think that's that. A solid I think right there. Yeah, right, and and I think that I think that now, maybe because of his increased workload, that quote unquote average goaltending is rearing its head earlier. Now that might be a blessing or a curse, depending on the Maple Leafs. If you look at it from a perspective that I want to take a look at it and say, okay, he's having this quote unquote average slump happen now. And let's see how he how he responds because now he hasn't had an opportunity to pass to go past this point in his career, right? With the with the Leafs at least to get past this point um, and saying I won't be just average anymore. I'm going to get back to where I am. So I think that the next couple weeks are very crucial for him. I think that he will get back to where he was or at least very close to it and. The Maple Leafs need that. He is their MVP of the team, especially with the literal garbage that they throw out for defense. And in saying that, I want to kind of go to Mike Babcock's points because I think that this kind of just transfers over really well. Before the game against Nashville, Mike Babcock was saying, quote, the thing about a team is you have 23 spots on it and you have a minor league team. You're supposed to build the best program you can to have as much depth so you don't miss people. If you have enough, you don't miss a beat and you just keep on going. There are other teams that have done a better job when different players are out than we have in keeping on going. That just tells you what state you're at and you have to keep adding better players. And then he kind of doubled down when the Leafs on this point, when the Leafs lost against Nashville saying, quote, they're a good team, they're a deep team, and they're deep enough that they don't have to overplay their players. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is not a good look for the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, especially in the front for the front office to have what appears to be a coach calling you out publicly and saying you you haven't done a good enough job for me. What are your thoughts about both quotes that Mike Babcock put out and the message that he's portraying to the media? I don't really I don't take much from it, especially the one like post Nashville game because yeah. realistically he's just stating the truth. Nashville has been so dominant because of how deep they are and how deep their defensive roster is, how deep their forwards are. And obviously they don't have the top end talent like a Tavares or a Matthews or a Marner for that matter. They just have solid guys, right? Like Philip Forsberg, Arvidsson, solid guys. Obviously their yeah. defensive core is the where their talent comes in, but I, I think he's just stating the obvious, right? Like, if you look at our AHL system, it, we have Lilligan. I don't even know. I totally butchered that name, but whatever. <laughs> I, can't, I don't care. Until, until, he's in, until he's in the NHL, you don't really need to, like, you know Exactly. Him. You don't need to really know his name. Yeah. yeah. So him and, and Sandine, both of them are extremely good, and they just haven't called them up yet. I think that if they came up and he made those comments – you'd have to look at him and say, all right, buddy, like you're nuts. These guys are fantastic players. And I also think it kind of shows that he is used to a more veteran team. And I I think we'll talk about this a little bit later, but he, like all of his success has come 
you know, in Detroit and stuff has all come with a veteran based team, a team that is mm-hmm. full of older guys, right? He, he doesn't mm-hmm. win with a young team. And I think that's probably, I, he's probably just frustrated with his outcomes and having to play these younger guys, a lot of minutes because he wants to manage them, even though maybe when he was playing his younger guys in Detroit, they didn't have quite the technology to fix their bodies or to train their bodies or whatever. So he's very skeptical with, Oh, I don't want to play Austin Matthews 22 minutes a game. I don't want to play Mitch Marner more than 19 minutes a game because maybe if they get injured or maybe they'll tire up before the playoffs. And I think nowadays that's not really the case. And he's trying to, you know, fill in these spots where these injuries are, with other guys that wouldn't normally be playing, you know, X amount of minutes, whatever that, whatever that is. And I I don't have any examples on hand, but I don't think that he would be playing all of these guys. If say Matthews was, you know, 28 instead of 21 and the same thing with Marner. And I think that's just where it goes. And and like, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily want to say he's out of line, but it's the comments don't make sense to me because everyone, when we're doing well, Oh, this is one of the deepest teams in the NHL. And then when we're doing bad, he comes out and says, yeah, we're not deep enough. It, it doesn't make sense to me. It's, I'm, I'm kind of perplexed by it, too. Obviously, he's really talking about the defense, and, and we're not talking about the offense on this team. I think that that's sort of apparent. Uh, he couldn't even maybe be talking about goaltending, too. I'm not really sure, but I don't know why he would allude to that. I think that this is more of a defensive thing, but you're totally right. Like Sandine and Lilligren, I believe are both NHL ready defensemen. Just, I, I think that Dubis is playing a long game here and wants to manage a minutes and B, you have to look at contracts too, right? Like there's going to be a lot of money tied up to Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, Marner. So if you can have guys come up a bit later and have an extra year of control for them on a rookie contract that might make all the difference in the world. And, and obviously everyone wants to have the talent now and they want to have the depth now to compete. I think that the depth is there. I just don't think that Dubas wants to reach into there yet. Like Tampa's having a historic season and it's going to be very hard for anybody to beat them in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I believe. You might have different opinion, but that's my that's my opinion. I think that Dubas sort of sees that and says, okay, well we can compete, give these guys a chance to do what they can in the playoffs. You never know what can happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But uh, we're not gonna push our chips all in just yet. And I think that that's more his mindset. So with Babcock saying that, I'm not sure if there's maybe a disconnect between coaching staff and management at this point, but the that's that's really all I got on that if you have something to to add to that uh, if not we can talk about the Leafs potential playoff round versus the Boston Bruins yeah just quick uh going back to your uh salary point there like they don't have a, they don't have a lot of salary and um like you said with kind of everyone wanting to fast track it I think Babcock probably wants to fast track it he sees how good these guys are and he I'm assuming here I'm like I don't know anything I don't think it ever came out and was reported but I'm assuming that he probably wanted a deal to be done for a good defenseman maybe a guy like uh, Pareko or Petrangelo from the Blues yeah but getting I think getting Muzzin was enough I talked a lot about that on uh, on my podcast and I don't uh, I like I agree with you that you don't want to dip into that salary you have to pay minor this season obviously Matthews got that massive contract this year and 
you're going to have to get free agents to even this team out. So if you get a guy like Petrangelo who has that one extra year to be playing for us next year, that's a X amount that you can't pay, you know, that depth guy rather than, you know, this big name Petrangelo, which will lose even more depth on the blue line. And I think maybe that's kind of what he was referring to if, you know, if not just kind of saying, saying words, I don't know, but no, I, and I think that you're pretty spot on with that. I wouldn't, I don't, I don't think I, you know, there's no real right answer here. We're all talking out of speculation, right? (laughs) We're all, we're all talking in hyperbole and just saying, okay, you know, we're, we're thinking that they're thinking something, but we'll see again, we'll see when the playoffs begin, how much that the depth really means, like how much of a factor is, is, is depth. And once the playoffs come and once the dust settles and we hear the results, I think we can have a debate. But speaking about the playoffs, I kind of want to talk about quickly the first round against the bo- the big bad Boston Bruins. Do you do you believe that the Toronto Maple Leafs, assuming that I, I think that the timelines for for Gardner and Dermott to come back, I believe that their timelines last I checked kind of match up to when the playoffs sort of begin. If they are back and healthy and ready to contribute in your lineup. Do you believe that the Leafs have a chance of beating Boston in the first round? Um, I don't know. I'm going to say no right now, and probably only because Boston's been here before. Boston knows how to win games in the playoffs, yeah. especially. They are really coming into their own right now. At the, if you ask me this, you know, 30 games into the season, I'm saying that Toronto is winning against Boston in five games. Yep. Boston was struggling, Toronto was hot, and now, you know, the tides have turned. It is a totally different story right now. Boston has gone hot, like they're scorching hot right now, and they play a different brand of hockey than the Leafs do, and I think that's also where the, you know, the whole thing is going to go shit up for the Leafs because, as we've seen, they, they try to play that tough game, and when they don't, they're really good. When they don't play that, you know, quote unquote, grit and grind game against the Bruins they play very well and they have a lot of success against this Bruins team we've seen it a couple times this season already but when they do try to play that game and they try to you know bump bodies with these bigger guys and stronger guys and guys who are more used to the physicality it doesn't work out they slow down they stop moving the puck as much they you know they don't dump and chase because they don't really want to hit but they'll pretend that they will and it's just a yeah. It's it's an ugly it's an ugly game. I do still think it goes you know six or seven probably just based on the talent that the Leafs possess and that how good these guys are. And I think Matthews will win a game for us, and Tavares will probably have a few big games in the playoffs. But in the end, I think you know Boston has really got it into gear right now, and it's hard getting that team out of their style of play. With a guy like Marchand, that's what he does. He gets you out of your way that you play. And, you know, Chara's just a, a scary guy. Bergeron, Pasternak, now that he's back in the lineup. Krejci, all these guys, just like, they're just grizzled vets. They know how to win. They know how to play hockey. And that's where I see the biggest difference between this Leafs team, who's only really played, you know, two playoff series together. Yeah, that that team fucking freaks me out, man. That's it, yeah. <laughs> they, they scare me, right? They're a scary yeah, team. It right they're they're scary team again they've been there before and if the Leafs had home ice I think that I would be more inclined to give an argument for them Uh, because they don't have home ice we've seen what can happen in game sevens in in Boston 
I just don't think that the Leafs can get it done without having home ice. It's more of taking away home ice for Boston than it is home ice for the Leafs because I, I don't think that they have the greatest <laughs> home ice crowd in yeah, the NHL. Agreed. But, uh, yeah, obviously it's more <laughs> yeah. seats than, than, uh, than fans. In in Boston, it's more about taking that away from them. They play; they're so comfortable when they play in Boston in their barn. That barn fires, man! Like it's a good barn, and um, that's something that you kind of want to take away. With having four out of seven games in Boston, I just I, I see a very steep challenge for the Toronto Maple Leafs to getting that series. So, if they do lose against Boston in the first round, even if it's a close series, six seven games. Do you think quickly, because I, I kind of want to uh, get started on, on the Raptors as well. We'll talk about this very quick. Do you think that Mike Babcock is going to, is if his seat will be a little bit warmer than what it already is? Yeah, maybe. Like, I still think Babcock is one of the premier coaches in the league. So how hot of a seat this guy is going to get, I think it, it won't get, you know, it's not going to get too hot. It's not going to get too hot at all. And with the way that, like, regardless, this team is still, you know, third in the entire league, basically, right right now, right? Like, they still have the third most points. So how bad is he doing? Not that bad, right? Like, realistically, not that bad. Obviously, you can see some of his lineup issues and and playing time and all the stuff that he dealt with with the struggles of Nylander. But realistically, like, he... Over the past, whatever, 10, 15 years, he has been regarded as one of the best coaches in the league. And uh, this season, if they lose in the first round, I don't think they should take that away from it. People forget that these guys are still really young and still really, really young and really talented. Like, I don't, I mean, Matthews is what, 21? Marner? All the, their yep. young core is exactly that, a young core. And that's who they're relying on most of the time. Like, their back end is their best players are you know, 25, 26 and Riley and Gardner. So I don't think it's, it's that bad, but like I said before, it shows that he doesn't, maybe he doesn't work well with a super young team like this Leafs team is because all of his success was with older guys. I I, th- I think that I've seen that argument a few times uh, saying he's not going to be able to handle a rebuilding team well because they're so young and he plays to more of a vet style. I think that there will be a ton of fans on Twitter if they lose in the first round saying, wow, this, like this guy needs to be fired. He's coach Bab shit. He's garbage. Like this guy, this guy sucks. Like why is he a coach? Listen, this guy's done everything that a coach can do in a professional level. The only thing left for his legacy to do is, is lift the Stanley cup for the Toronto me, please. And the That's other it. thing is he is, he is, he has accomplished anything yeah, sorry, else. The yeah, other thing ahead. is, is like, if they're pl- like if this the st- I hate this playoff format. I'm not going to get into it, but if, I hate it too. I hate this, it too. I, so that's, yeah, that's like for if another. This day. isn't the playoff format. They're playing a dog. I'm not even say a dog shit team, but like kind of an, in comparison, a dog shit team, and they're getting out of the first yeah. round every year these past three years. And this isn't even a question. So yeah. I, it's just a bad balance. You're playing. You're playing Washington. You're playing Boston, and you're going to play Boston again this year. Like. You're playing top four or five team in the league every single year while you are also a top four or five team. It's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Yep. It it is bullshit. And you know it's 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 similar to similar to how uh, if if you're if you're a team in the West in the NBA, you, in the last three four years you like you have to go through Golden State every year, right? Like you could be you could be a great team, but Golden State has just got your number in terms of frustration of of something, right? Where where you're just you you see this 
unbelievably difficult obstacle and you think that's really not fair and and obviously in, in the NHL for the the way that the brackets are structured and even Steven Samkos is saying this is like this sucks and Boston saying this sucks and Toronto's like this is fucking garbage like these are the top these could be the top three four five teams in the NHL and they have to scrap it out in the first round like that's that's stupid that's beyond dumb and that is that's a reason why Mike Babcock should not be in a hot seat if you lose to the number three team number two team number three team in the NHL in the first round that's nothing to hang your hat to hang your head about right think about it that when that when that happens that could be a potential Stanley Cup matchup if things are bracketed properly where you're facing a top three team in the Stanley Cup Finals and then you lose to them and you say well we made it to the Stanley Cup Finals but you have to have this type of uh, adversity early on kind of dumb but uh, I'm, I'm I agree with you on Babcock I don't think that his seat gets any warmer he's a top tier coach who are you going to replace him with I heard people say Sheldon Keefe yeah Garp, shut up stop. don't ever yeah, I don't, don't, I don't ever like the yeah, right yeah. stop like this like, yeah stop it stop it guys never coach an NHL game you want him to take over a team win the series leaves Twitter stop. fucking sucks dude oh it's the war is so toxic yeah. man it fucking yeah. sucks I can't stand it um anyways now now that I'm all fired up with the Leafs I want to now I want to now take this over to the Raptors um one thing that I was fired up about was Kyle Lowry's injury and I was fired up for a couple of reasons first reason was Mitchell Robinson is a is a little dirty player that's my opinion I can't stand that guy like you're a bench guy you miss you you miss an open layup Kyle Lowry grabs a rebound he's like two feet shorter than you dribbles it out so you feel the need to foul him yeah Anyways, the the injury to me, another reason why I was fired up, I didn't understand why he was on the court when he was on the court. So now a two, two, uh, two-ended question for you. Are you concerned about Kyle Lowry's injury? I guess this will be a three-part question. Are you concerned about Kyle Lowry's injury? What are your thoughts about him being out in quote-unquote garbage time? And if what do you think about Mitchell Robinson? Do you think he's a piece of garbage like me? Or am I just completely delusional on this? For the injury, I don't. I'm not too concerned about it. Obviously, if it came out to be, you know, really bad, and obviously Woj broke the news like maybe five minutes later that they don't think it's horrible. He was listed questionable for today's game, but obviously now he's uh, been reported as out for the game tonight. Um, Good. And I honestly, I think it's okay. Like all the issues, like quote unquote issues that Lowry has had in the playoffs, have basically be, been because of, you know this not managing his load kind of thing, right? Like uh, load management is the, is the word mm-hmm. of the year this yep. year in the NBA, but Oh my God. It's yeah. a phrase. It's I, I'm going to, I'm going to get a t-shirt and yeah, just put load literally. management with the Raptors or, or, or a claw yeah. sign on it. And everyone will just yeah. love So it. like, I think they probably rest him a couple games to be sure they've got what, like 10, 11 games left on the season. As long as you yep. have him in there for those, you know, maybe five of those last whatever games, I think, that's a good sign because as long as you can get those guys into their groove going into the playoffs, you know, that's all that matters, right? Like this team is going to be the two seed and it's not even really close. So having Lowry out, I also think helps Kawhi's chemistry with the rest of the team. It helps Siakam be a bit of a more confident ball handler. I'm, I mean, he's very confident as it goes right now, but I think in terms of him having a larger role in the offense, where maybe you can find him into that second unit as the primary ball handler. It lets Fred come back from that injury very well, hopefully get Jeremy Lin hot. Like there's all these things like 
obviously it sucks, but if he, you know, if he just sat for four or five games, even though he isn't necessarily, you know, totally injured, I wouldn't be mad at this at all because he he'll be fine. Like Kyle Lowry, everyone knows him as this kind of a bulldog player. He's so intense all the time and he's so he's so strong, he'll, you know, fight through any injury really and it shouldn't be concerning. Um unless, you know, it comes out, yeah, he, you know, tore his ACL or something, tore the whatever it is. Absolutely. I mean, look, the the timing of Fred Van Vliet coming back couldn't have been any better. Right? Like we uh, I was I was on um I was on the South of the Six podcast and at first I was talking about maybe resting Kyle Lowry and getting him some rest mids, but this was before Fred Van Vliet was even coming back. Uh, and I was like, yeah, you know what? I, like, I don't even care. I just want him rested. I want him. I want. I want him to be in the load management sh- ship. I want him to be captaining that ship for the last like, ten games. But again, I'm. It's it's positive news. Like what Woj broke said, the injury doesn't appear to be serious. He must have been living in the Raptors' medical room because I don't know how he got that information so fast. Guy's an absolute beast yeah. when it comes yeah. to breaking news. The guy's crazy. When when you examine. Kyle Lowry you're spot on the guy's a bulldog he works so he's he's one of the hardest working NBA players that I've ever seen obviously we don't even know 80 90 percent of what he does behind the scenes but we just know how hard that that guy works day in day out he's going to make sure that he's healthy for the playoffs and the Raptors are going to make sure he's healthy for the playoffs there's really nothing to fight for you have the 2c locked up the the 76ers aren't catching you it's not happening you're probably not going to catch the Bucs, even though they have injuries, which I'll talk about in a bit. But the two seed is essentially yours, and you just need to get make sure that your team is healthy going into the playoffs. And so in terms of if whether it was a dirty play or not, um, kind of, kind of, he, he very much made it look like a basketball play. So like at, at first, I was like, holy shit, dude, this guy sucks. We should, we should run down on that court <laughs> yeah. and kill Mitchell Robinson. I hate that guy. Yeah. yeah Burn him exactly. on the stake. Um, the more I look at it, the more I'm kind of like, you know what? He's, he's a rookie. I, you know, he's, he, he has the intensity and I, he doesn't play all that many minutes. So, you know, maybe getting a loose ball or, I mean, it wasn't even a loose ball, but I don't know. It, it did look really bad. And I, I did think it was a garbage play at first and I still kind of do. And I kind of flip-flop between thinking about whether it's garbage or not, depending on the angle and all this kind of stuff. He did lean a little bit too far in on Lowry and, and fall in on him. But sometimes when I watch it, it just looks like he fell over rather than kind of going into him on purpose. Yeah. So why are you going for a ball when you're down 30-something? I don't know. But yeah. that yeah. I think that's just what comes with, with rookies like that. Like it wasn't a... Uh, Grayson Allen at Duke play, you know what I mean? Where he's trying to, he's kicking people yeah. and sticking his foot out or whatever. I, yeah, I can't stand <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then your uh, your third question for the garbage time, like to me, it wasn't. I don't even think it was really garbage time, right? Like there was five and change left in the third quarter, and a lot of people say like we need to get chemistry, we need to get these guys playing, and obviously. Once again, I'm going to use this word load management. You want to manage these guys' loads, but five and change left in the third quarter isn't necessarily garbage time because yeah, they were up, you know, 30 and and whatever, but I don't I don't know. Like I it looked kind of it would have looked weird to me if he sat out and then they only won by 10-15 points just because he sat out for 
seven from seven minute mark in the third quarter. Like I'm okay with him playing out there with this much time. Right. Just because it is, you know, it's the third quarter. I don't like if it's the fourth quarter and you're up by that much, by all means, sit him from the very beginning. But I, I don't know. There wasn't really any timeouts or anything before that either. Like I think there was a couple minutes of play where there wasn't a timeout, a free throw or a stoppage in play. So I, I understand why Nick Nurse had him in there. I, I don't care about it that much, but I do see why people are angry. Like whenever, if he didn't get hurt, no one's mad about it. If, you know, since he did get hurt, it's a, uh, it's really bad, but I am interested as to, you know, why you're kind of upset about it. There's, there, there's two different thoughts and I understand both. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be ignorant here and say you are wrong. If you, if you say that, uh, he shouldn't be on the floor. I like, I, I get both. I understand it. But to me, when you're up by that much, I, it doesn't even matter. Like, like if it's in the first half, obviously like anything can happen. I get it. Like, look, the, the nets came back from a 24 point deficit in the fourth quarter last night to win. Sure. I, I understand that, but you're playing the Knicks, right? You have you have you have a double you have a double header now against OKC. That's pre- pretty much your only tough competition remaining for the remainder of the year. For me, obviously hindsight being twenty twenty and knowing that the injury happened, that that might that might change how I feel about the situation. Already having that knowledge in the in my like frontal lobe and just knowing, hey, this was going to happen if you keep him on the floor. But we always say injuries can happen if you keep guys on the floor longer than they should be. For the score, obviously, if it's in the fourth quarter and he's playing, and he, even if he doesn't get hurt, people will still be pissed off. But I think that in that moment, you know, I just like give like give Jeremy give Jeremy Lin some time, right? Like give give some of these guys this this Moreland guy, give him time to get in. Like take some of the starters and even your key bench players. I would let them just rest for a bit. And then if the score got to 10, 12, 14, you know, it's somewhere in around there when you're getting to single digits and it's like, okay, we'll start putting these boys back. Cause clearly our, our fillers aren't doing their job uh, just to maintain. So in that, in that regard, I'm, I'm a little upset. Obviously the injury is not serious, so I'm not going to harp on it that much. Mitchell Robinson to me I just think that he's that 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 was a dirty play but he's a rookie and and I get it uh he'll learn from it but I think that yeah it's a 30 point game why are you lunching for a ball you stupid (laughs) Um, you know that's Kyle Lowry yeah don't you don't you dare right don't touch my my king of the six yeah what's wrong with you but yeah, that's uh, that. That's I kind of want to leave that right now and just talk about more. Let's more focus in on the on the actual playoffs because we're gonna assume that Lowry's injury should be all right. Like he should be good to go by the time the playoffs start because it doesn't seem to be that serious. We rest him for a few more games and hopefully maybe he gets a, a rep or two in the regular season. No problem. For the playoffs, a potential first round matchup. Obviously, the Raptors just came back from Detroit having lost the third straight game against the Pistons. They've been swept in the season series 3-0 to zero against former Raptors head coach and coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. Are you, are you scared, or maybe not even scared, just a little bit more anxious about a first-round matchup against the Pistons in the playoffs now that they have taken three of three from the Toronto Raptors? No, I'm like, I'm not even nervous in the slightest bit. Like maybe they take one or two from us in 
in the playoffs, maybe. I I would kind of be shocked if it goes past game five. I would love to see Dwayne Casey for five or six games in the playoffs. That'll be a great time. It'll be very I think it'll be very emotional for both both teams and it'll for be sure. kinda it'll be kinda poetic, you know, us whooping Dwayne Casey and in his yeah, and his bum ass team in the playoffs. Like <laughs> and his bum ass yeah. team. Well like realistically, like I don't e- I can't even name most of their nine man rotation. Yeah. Like real like Griffin and Drummond and that, you know like I yeah that's honestly that, like, what he what he got Reggie Jackson is yeah. Reggie Jackson even so okay so Reggie Jackson and then who else yeah like I yeah anybody oh, yeah Lord. literally anybody <laughs> tweet at us if you can figure it out without using basketball reference you let me know because yeah just tweet give us give us a starting lineup please yeah. and if you can do it off the top of your head then I'll 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 throw you a retweet or something yeah. I'll give you something yeah <laughs> like I I honestly can't li- I can't yeah think and of so it. like past and even reggie jackson like he's a bum ass point guard yeah he's not great yeah he sucks so like having like obviously blake griffin and andre drummond have been playing really well you know this this year and they're playing well as a two-man unit but are they ever gonna dominate any series together i don't think so like i don't i don't even think it would be close like i Valanciunas eats Drummond for lunch, and Valanciunas is, you know, he's not a fantastic center. He's good, but he's not great. And like yeah. Blake Griffin is, you know, he's an injury waiting to happen. And obviously, I don't want to see an injury, but like, I I know I don't know. Like he's probably going to play thirty six to thirty eight, thirty, you know, thirty nine, forty yeah, minutes a night. It's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot for a guy with with paper ankles. And <laughs> like I hate to say it, but I. I'd love to also say that I'm not scared of the Pistons in the slightest bit. And the fir- in the first game, people are like, wow, Dwayne Casey won. Whatever if we match up against them in the playoffs, I'm like, ah, shut up. Game two, they're saying, wow, look, they, they beat us. Uh, they beat us again. Like, maybe they have our number. And like, shut up. <laughs> game three comes around, and now, now they beat us again. And, you know, those same people are chirping. And, look, obviously to win three against Toronto – it's impressive, right? I, not not many teams have swept Toronto in a season series this year. Game one, Pistons won 106-104 in Toronto. No Serge Ibaka for Toronto. Game two, Pistons won in overtime 112-107 in Detroit. No Kawhi, no Fred VanVleet. Game three, Pistons won 110-107 in Detroit. No Serge Ibaka, no Kyle Lowry for the Raptors. That is not insignificant like those those are those are big names that are missing from the lineup saying that i would much rather play a brooklyn nets or a miami heat or whoever else wants to make an appearance in the seventh seed than than detroit because i i don't and i'm not i'm not afraid of detroit like i want to make this clear i think that they would take maybe a game or two this I could see potentially this series going six, but their style of play is a, it's a very physical style of play and it will run you down. So they can they can win like the Raptors. I've I have all the confidence in the world in the Raptors to beat the Pistons, but it's just not a team that I really want to see in the playoffs because I think that if you played a team like Brooklyn, it would be a team where it's more fast paced and not as physically intense as a game against Detroit. 
and that's really my only concern. Would I would I be concerned in, in any matchup ending in a first round loss for Toronto? No. But again, it's a playoffs. You never know. But I just don't think that Toronto would lose any against any opponent ranked six to to tenth, whatever, in the first round, whoever it ends up being. That's really where I sit on that, and I and I, I always kind of want to explain that to people. Where it's like I don't want to match up against them, not because I'm afraid of them, but because because of the way that they play. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that's just where I'm coming from. No, absolutely. I'm to me. I'm a little more in terms of like games taken away from the Raptors in the playoffs. I think Brooklyn probably has a better chance just because they shoot threes at such a high rate like they shoot so many yep. threes that if they get hot it's you know it's important we've seen that with some of the games against brooklyn this year they've been very good games very entertaining that's also why I'd, i would like to see brooklyn in the playoffs because i think that would be the most fun series but yeah they do hit a lot of threes and if they do get hot and you know shoot 45 or 50 percent from from three then the raps are in trouble because i mean they've been shooting well as of late but at the beginning of the season, their three-point shooting hasn't been bad, and I think Detroit doesn't have that ability as much as a Brooklyn does, and Miami not so much. But I'd, Miami is a sweep if we play Miami. Detroit, five games at the most to me, I think, and Brooklyn I think would be the one to take, you know, two games off us if if any, realistically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, D'Angelo Russell's playing really well. Uh, if I, I always I always say if Pascal Siakam wasn't being Pascal Siakam this year, that guy would be MIP, hands down. I mean, even he thinks he's MIP, but um, I I tend to disagree with yeah, that. No Maybe chance. it's my bias, but I just I just think, I think it's Pascal Siakam's year to be MIP. Um, the way the standings are currently constructed, Detroit is in sixth. They're sixteen and a half back. Brooklyn is in seventh. They're seventeen back, and Miami Heat are eighth, eighteen and a half back. So, honestly, one of those three teams have a very realistic shot of ending up in the seventh seed. Orlando's kind of on the outside in the ninth in the ninth spot, twenty games back, so they're a game and a half back of Miami. But between the Pistons, the Nets, and the Heat, there's a game and a half or two games uh, difference between the three of them. Either one of those teams, I'm confident in. Obviously, in the first round, I I don't really see any of them going to a seven but i just uh, uh, most people most people i talk to say that they think that brooklyn can take more games and honestly they, they probably could i just don't want to play detroit the way that they play yeah that's fair now sp- speaking of games and taking games away from toronto quickly before we move on to the blue jays which i'm i guess if there's just blue jays fans listening don't worry <laughs> We got you covered. We're getting to it. Running a little bit overboard, but that's that's me always, like a little bit late. Do you, is there is there a team? I'll stick just mainly in the East because obviously in the West we can say that the Golden State Warriors are, are probably the biggest threat to the Toronto Raptors. So I'll stay local. Is there a team in the East that you are quite afraid of matching up with in the playoffs and can see? a legit chance of the Raptors losing to them before they get to the NBA finals. So I realistically, there's only like those four, those top four teams, or I yep. guess three outside of the Raptors, right? The Bucks, Philly and the Celtics, um, Philly and the Bucks. I don't really see as much of a problem for the Raptors as the Celtics, which is kind of crazy to say since the Celtics have struggled the most out of the teams, but with Philly, you can play Simmons off the court. You've seen how well Kawhi Leonard has done against Ben Simmons and how poorly Simmons has done against Kawhi Leonard. 
on top of everybody else has been playing really well against the Sixers. Embiid isn't as effective when Simmons is on the court, and I think you could let Embiid kind of do whatever he wants because the rest of the guys won't be able to do as much if the ball is stopping at Embiid. I'm okay with that. Butler isn't as good as he thinks he is. Tobias Harris mm-hmm. isn't isn't going to be used as he probably should be, especially in the playoffs. Like You know for a fact that they're going to give Simmons, Embiid, and Butler more touches come playoff time, and then Tobias Harris and J.J. Redick are going to get fewer touches than they even are right now. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not scared of them at all. They don't have that great of a coach. The Bucks, obviously, they have. They're probably going to have the best player in the series, but maybe not. Like Kawhi could definitely go for that. Obviously, Giannis is having a ridiculous season, but in a seven-game series, like Kawhi is just as good as Giannis. I'm going to say. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but they also have, you know, that Brogdon injury that happened. Not sure whether he's going to, they say he's kind of going to come back near the end of the first round, maybe the second round uh, from what I've gathered. Um, You know, their, their uh, role players aren't really effective when they're not in rhythm. And I think as a lot of teams have kind of figured out, like you saw Philly win that game when Giannis had 52 points, but, they just kind of let him do his thing and everybody else you can just you know you guys don't get the ball and then when you do get the ball and you shoot it and you're not very open i don't they weren't as, as effective obviously losing that game and you know how you saw blood blood so sorry how blood so was last year versus boston he doesn't scare me so you know obviously Giannis can do superhuman things but i think we have a guy two or i mean one guy we probably have three or four guys who can at least attempt at guarding Giannis one-on-one. Like if you take on yeah. that one, you know, one-on-one and then have the shooters just kind of stand there and shoot and, and miss as many shots as they, as they can. Um, I think we have the guys to throw at him for, you know, different looks at him uh, with Siakam, with Ananobi, with Kawhi, sure. even Ibaka at some points, right? Like I think, I think they're fine in that, in that category. And here's why I think the Celtics are probably the team that scares me the most in terms of depth. They're the only team that can really compare with the Raptors right now. And if the Celtics bench gets going, and when I say the bench, I I really mean Gordon Hayward. If Gordon Hayward, (laughs) if Gordon Hayward is healthy and back to, you know, Gordon Hayward that we saw in Utah, then I think this is a really tough team to play. And I don't care how much chemistry issues or, how you know how much any issues that are going on with the Boston Celtics right now when it comes playoff time like Kyrie Irving knows how to win and I'd, I this kind of sounds stupid saying it and like every time I say it in my head I'm like holy shit I'm the dumbest person but like even these young guys like they know how to win Jason Tatum he is a winner like last year he was the best player in most games in the playoffs that he played last year and that's in, insane to say because he had a full series with LeBron and if like obviously he's not going to get as much of a responsibility and as big of a role, but if Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, and Gordon Hayward can get going, they're going to be really good. And when they're at their best, they're really good. They're probably one of the best teams in the East, but the Raptors are going to have the best player in the series, and we know how you know big this quote-unquote star players are. It's such a star-driven league. Whoever has the best player in whatever series generally wins. So I like... I genuinely think the Raptors can beat any of this team, any of these teams. I think if Kawhi plays all twenty years, you know, whatever 
20 games almost that he's missed. If he plays even 10 or 15 of them, we're going to be in first place. And there's a totally different narrative as to what this Raptors team is. Once you see Kawhi coming in with, you know, every single game playing whatever, if, if it goes seven games, playing all seven games and you're mashed up against Kawhi, I think you're going to be really tired. You're going to be a really tired team and you're going to be just trying to search for answers against these guys. They're changing up their lineups, changing up their their uh, game plan and all that kind of stuff just because of one long defensive player. And that's where, I, that's where the this Raptors team has the edge in, in all those series is just how good Kawhi Leonard is. I, I completely agree. You know, uh, you take a look at the Cavs team from last year when we played them, and holy hell, if they don't have LeBron James on that roster, they're not making the playoffs. But they're, yeah, <laughs> that's that's how that's how, that's how that's how I feel about it. Like they they would like like you can maybe make an argument that they're an eighth seed, but Jesus Christ, that team's not that team was not a good team. Like the team around him was one of the worst teams. He's I think one of the worst teams ever to make an NBA Finals except for one star player that's just how important that guy can be like how important a star player is in the playoffs you take a look at Kawhi Leonard you you had asked me before if you thought that I thought Giannis and Kawhi are basically the on, on a similar wavelength or if I think that Kawhi is better than Giannis I think that they're basically equal because Giannis obviously is the more physically imposing body but Kawhi Leonard has the range right he he has the ability to take his game out beyond the arc he has the ability to defend so many positions and be so athletic obviously Giannis is athletic too but Kawhi Leonard just has this shiftiness and speed and the, the hands are, are massive to so so disruptive in the faces of all these players so I think that Kawhi Leonard when he plays every single game in the playoffs you know knock on wood that he's going to be healthy if he if he plays the games that we need him to in the playoffs, I think that it's going to be a completely different story. Look, the 76ers are trash. I'm not worried about them. If we match up against them, we win yep. in five. Hundred percent. Like I think I think that I think that the Brooklyn Nets can probably take more games from us <laughs> than the 76ers. Uh, you know, like you know, like you know, I have zero faith in the 76ers, and I've been on this I've been on this take for for a while, even since they got Tobias Harris. It's just not working. It's not going to work for the 76ers come playoff time. I'm not too concerned about them at all. You, you take a look at the at the uh, Bucks. The Bucks to me, man, like it's tough. Obviously, the injuries to Malcolm Brogdon and Nikola Mirotic are huge, and I'll explain why here in a second. I was taking a look at the stats for uh, Malcolm Brogdon, and Malcolm Brogdon this year is averaging career high in points, 15.6 points per game shooting 92.8% from the three free throw line, career high, shooting 42.6% from three, career high, shooting 50.5% from the floor, career high, and he's averaging 4.5 rebounds a game for a guard, Jesus. career high. <laughs> he, is, he is playing at a very good level. He's playing at a level, and not, not to mention, he's a notorious Raptors killer. He basically, you see him averaging 20 to 25 points per game, Every time he steps on the court against us, you know, that is, that is a, that is a deadly weapon from the, from the field. That is a person who is incredibly disruptive and is everywhere. So to me, when you take a look at that and the fact that he's going to be out for what was it? Six to eight weeks, initial diagnosis. He won't come back till, like you said, the second round of the playoffs. Think about when, when Fred Van Vliet came back 
for the Raptors last year, he was not the same player. And and, and his rhythm and stroke and timing just wasn't there from what we've seen in the regular season. I think that this is a massive loss for Milwaukee. I think that this is probably your best shooter on your team. He goes down, and guys need to be putting up reps when they are in, in, a, in such a zone like that. He's not going to have that ability because the injury is his plantar fascia on his foot, which completely screws up your balance. So, to me, that takes that weapon out. Milwaukee does not become as much of an obstacle for me. And even now, Miritich is out two weeks. Obviously, he's not playing as well compared to when he came over from New Orleans, but he's still an important piece for them. Those factors in itself have... I've been on the train of Milwaukee Bucks all day. I've been saying that Milwaukee is going to be the biggest threat to Toronto. Now that these injuries have come, obviously you don't wish for injuries, but they happen and they're and they're lucky for the Toronto Raptors. Um, the Boston Celtics, to me, now appear to be the biggest threat, even though I still see a lot of chemistry issues with this team. A lot of things we can't factually quantify that you can't see on the stat sheet just body language and dialogue from what we're hearing and what we're seeing physically to me is all the stats and facts that I need. So if they can figure it out, they'll be a deadly team. If that carries over into the playoffs, I don't think that the Raptors will really have to worry about anybody in the playoffs. And I think that the East is theirs. Yeah, no doubt in my mind. And I think like if, like I said, you know, a couple minutes ago was that if Kawhi Leonard plays even half the games that he sat out this team is in first place over the bucks and this is a completely different story they're not talking about obviously Giannis is MVP but they're not talking about oh shit Giannis might make his first finals this year they're talking about yeah you're gonna have to go through this really tough Raptors team with Kawhi Leonard and I think that's that's more that's saying more about the Raptors and I think than you're saying about the Bucks because obviously they're good but I think the Raptors are like this is weird to say, but I think the re- people don't look at the Raptors as as good as they are. They're kind of underrated this season, as they usually are. But I like I don't know. I don't understand why people aren't seeing this team as the best team in the East. I yeah, and it might be the U.S. media bias. I don't know. I feel like or potentially the fact that the Raptors quote unquote choke every year in the playoffs. To me, if unless you don't see, unless you don't watch the Raptors, you think it's the same deal. I think that this is a completely different team. I don't expect that. And if it does happen, like I've said on other podcasts, if if they do choke and it does happen, then it is a systematic disease. It's a systematic failure that Toronto just can't get to this point. And then I'm okay. I'm at peace with. Toronto not re-signing Kawhi Toronto trying to do things to to build a different core because then clearly the attitude is not right in the locker room and the mentality is not there but I believe in this team this year even though I did last year (laughs) I believe in the team this year I think that they'll get it done I'm not overly concerned about load managements or rest days or being in the second scene everything that's gone on the year I'm not concerned I think that the Raptors will do it you think that the Raptors will do it We'll wait and see come playoff time, and hopefully Raptors fans can take a look back at this and say, holy shit, these guys are smart and they're right. Yeah. So um, with that being said, I can't forget our Blue Jays, which are championship-bound this year Absolutely, for sure. no doubt in my mind. Man. Yeah, they're, 
they're they're go they're going all the way this year, yeah. eh, Hunter? They're all the yeah. way this year. No, oh, they are flying high, and they will set 110 <laughs> wins and destroy everyone. No, that's obviously not going to happen. Saying that, we'll still have people on Blue Jays Twitter freaking out when they lose, and they say this team sucks. Fire Sh- Shapiro and Atkins. Shackins is garbage. They suck. Okay, stop. Blue Jays. Obviously, they're the roster starting to shape up a little bit. Uh, the first game of the MLB season actually started this morning at 5.30. I know you were definitely up Absolutely, for it. Watching. <laughs> you were definitely watching the the the, uh, the Tokyo. Uh, they're playing Tokyo, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. In in Tokyo, it was the Oakland A's and Seattle Mariners. Ichiro's homecoming of sorts, if you will. It's a great concept and idea for the league, but you know people in North America are definitely not watching this. More of a global initiative. Um, saying that there are games that are be playing and being played in North America. There are spring training uh, decisions to be made. One of them is the quote unquote demotion of Anthony Alford to AAA to start the year. Are you surprised at all that Anthony Alford wasn't at least made a bench player on this team to start the year? No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not shocked at all. And like you said, if he was on this MLB squad, he is a bench player. And with a guy that young and who has, he's really shown out during spring training. Um, I think that it makes sense because he will, he will get his reps in at, you know, in AAA rather than playing in the majors and, and not, you know, sitting on the bench and maybe getting, a, getting in there for games, you know, one in every five or one in every four, whatever it would have been. I, I like the move. McKinney isn't necessarily going to develop. And I think that was kind of the decision that going McKinney over Alfred here. I don't think McKinney has the upside. Therefore, mm-hmm. you know, if he does sit on the bench more than uh, more than play, it's not necessarily going to hinder what he can come out to be. And Alfred, uh, as we've seen this year, has made those steps from last year and from where he started. So, just the regular playing time is probably what these guys were thinking. That's just that's my assumption. Is that you know, hey, we want this guy to be playing as much as possible, just because. You know, obviously this is kind of like practice for him, right? AAA is kind of like practice. Obviously they're real games, but the end goal is the MLB, and he's destined for the MLB. So I don't, I don't hate it. I like him getting more playing time than than not getting consistent playing time. That's how you get better. That's how he's going to develop into what people think he's going to be. Absolutely. You know, you, you take a look at the the outfield right now, and you think, okay, um, the spots that he would play are kind of being occupied right now by one of Kevin Pillar or Randall Grichuk, Teoscar Hernandez or Billy McKinney. You know, I don't, if if he's going to play, I'd rather see him play like a center field position or like a right field. uh, And you move Randall Grichuk to center field. If you're going to keep him around saying that I'd rather him not be on this bench, like exactly what you're saying. I'd rather him get the reps. He did have an option to go back down to triple a, which is another factor that needs to be considered. If you have him, why not use him? That way you don't lose an important player off of this team, off the roster. Anthony Alford is an incredibly valuable piece to this team, and he will be a part of this outfield, whether whether it's for their serious playoff runs in a few years, or I think anyway, serious playoff runs in a few years, or you think that he's just going to be a fixture on this team for a little bit. They get somebody better that comes up through system and they trade him. Either way, he will be on this MLB team. But the big piece holding him back is Kevin Pillar. And if Kevin Pillar is still on this roster, Anthony Alford will not be on this roster. 
That's it's 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 that simple and it comes down to that. The moment that Kevin Plar and when he gets traded, you will see Anthony Alford be brought up. Mark yep. my words. You can come back to this and when that <laughs> happens, you will see he will be brought up. Or maybe they call him up a day before he gets traded and then Anthony Alford is now in the starting lineup. But why hinder the guy's development? Exactly like what you're saying. Why do that? This kid is still young. He's still developing. He's a great player. Let him mash in AAA. Let him get his numbers. Let him feel a swagger instead of sitting on the bench and feeling like a bum. Right? Like that's like it's it's all it's it's half of the mental battle as it is. Okay, we have options for you. We may as well use it and you get some playing time. So I'm I'm completely on board with you there. I have no problems. I was not surprised. Uh, once we see Pilar off this team, we will see Alfred on it. That's my opinion. I want to talk a little bit about Vladimir Guerrero too, since we're talking about prospects. Obviously, talk of the town for Blue Jays land every day is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. What he eats when he goes to bed. <laughs> what he likes to do on his days off, where he likes to go, where he likes to travel. But he, I don't know if you heard, you might've heard, I'm not sure, but he got injured in spring training. Did you know that? Oh, no way, dude. <laughs> no. Oh man. No I don't know. It's kind of, it kind of slid under the radar and yeah. no one really talked about it that much. Jeez. I just, uh, uh, FYI, I might be catching you off guard here. So um, I'll give you a moment to compose yourself if, yeah. you, if you need that time to come up with an answer. <laughs> He's out for three weeks for those that are living under a rock. Yeah. He's he's not he won't be he's been demoted quote unquote he's been assigned I'll call it that to the AAA team we knew that this was coming regardless of whether he was injured or not in saying this Hunter are you concerned about this injury or his injury history moving forward uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays not really I mean players get injured right like that's it's a natural thing. It happens in sports. We talked about it with the Bucks when we were talking NBA. You know, it just happens. Players get hurt. And when they came out and said, like, at, like as soon as he got injured, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be the worst worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, a couple hours later, it's like, all right, yeah, we're going to diagnose him probably three weeks. And to me, that three weeks is probably very, very, very generous. I would say that they're probably doing this so that, when they do kind of mess with his service time, they can say, well, hey, look, he was out for three weeks. We needed to make sure that we rehabbed him properly. Right. Because if, if he's out for one week or, or, you know, only out for three or four, four days, like it looks bad if they keep him on that service time. And this is just kind of, I'm just speculating here, but this is probably just their tactic. Like, yeah, this guy's, this guy's 19, 20. We're going to, make sure that he gets fully, fully healthy and it's and so that we can kind of use this as an excuse. I think it was, you know, kind of gifted to this Blue Jays team as like an excuse to have him sit and have another year of this guy. Definitely. I think that the front office isn't complaining that he's hurt. They're like, oh no, this is this is awful news. Whatever will we do? No, they're they are very low-key high-fiving one another under the table they're getting like little, little low fives and saying great and he can he can get better and, and he can heal he can rehab he can do some games in triple a if needed to get his reps back so that by the time he comes up to the major leagues there's no issues i even though he's eligible to come up on i believe the date's april 12th even when he was healthy we still had the debate 
me, me and a few people had this debate about what day he'd be called up. Some people thought it would be right on that day. I said that the Blue Jays would be dumb to do that because then it becomes pretty obvious that you're holding him down for said reasons. I think that their plan all along with him was to promote him to the big leagues in either late April or early May. That way they can say, hey, look, we're not going through a Chris Bryant grievance bullshit thing like what's currently still going on between Chris Bryant and slash MLBPA and the Cubs. With that being said, this injury makes that a lot easier because they can say, okay, he's out for three weeks. Then he has to have another week to two weeks to three weeks of conditioning, getting swings in, getting reps, playing baseball before we're comfortable bringing him up, knowing that he's 100% healthy because guess what? We're not competing right now. We don't need to rush him up. So uh, for those people saying they're intentionally holding them back, yeah, you know what? Maybe they are. But now you really can't bitch and complain because there's legitimate reason to have him where he is at this point. I agree. That's just, that's just how I think about it. Now, obviously, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be the talk of this town when the Blue Jays play this year. And people will buy tickets to see him. People will... People have high hopes for him and have him already penciled in as American League Rookie of the Year. Myself included. <laughs> Saying that, besides one Vladimir Guerrero Jr., is there any player, it can even be a player that you think might be called up this year at some point. It doesn't have to be on the roster currently. Is there a player that you're most looking forward to watching this season? Uh, yeah, so I kind of have like a... a- two two answers here um go for it there's no rules on this show perfect (laughs) perfect so um if healthy i would really like to see a you know i don't think we're going to get a full devin travis season here but devin travis um he has been one of my favorite players you know for the past few years i have a devin travis jersey and it breaks my heart that he gets injured so much. Not only because, guy, yeah, like not only because he is a Blue Jay and he's an athlete who just wants to play, but I also think that he could be, like I've always said that he could be like a, a discount Jose Altuve kind of thing, right? Like sure. he's not going to hit for 340 and he's not going to hit, you know, 30, 40 home runs, but he'll hit, I think at his peak, he'll hit, you know, maybe 310, 315 with probably, you know, something like 60 to 70 doubles in a season right sure and i would and we saw that a bit i was it last year when he got that most doubles in a month record it was either last year oh it was it was either last year the year before but i do know what you're talking about uh now now the time never i never get that right so it's probably it's probably that yeah if you see you know you see him put up that month and when he really got into into things when he had that stretch where he wasn't injured he was one of the most exciting players on the team right like he's not the fastest guy but he's, he was still able to steal a couple bases he is fantastic defensively that's one of the things that i love about him and yeah. like i said his hitting he won't hit necessarily 340 but when he's hot he'll hit 310 to, to 320 with a lot of doubles and he's got a little bit of that home run power especially in a hitter stadium like the rogers center so that's that's my number one um under the caveat that he is actually going to be healthy and play you know maybe 120 130 games this year Fair enough yeah and then my second is going to be rowdy tellez he had an extremely yeah so he had a really good hot start to his mlb career and then he kind of slowed down near the end of the season as usually happens but 
for me, the reason why he's so exciting is I want to see what he can do over an entire year, right? Like we saw that big jump with Justin Smoke when he had that really big season, uh, not the last season, but the season before where he hit what, like 35 home runs. And that is something that I could maybe see with Tellez with more regular playing time, because I think he will be fighting for that, you know, backup first base position or DH spot with Kendris Morales. Uh, as he has been less than spectacular since joining. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I think that, you know, that's what's most exciting to me about him is what's he going to be able to do over, like I said, with Travis, like 130 games, 125, whatever they're going to play him at. And I think he'll, he'll be able to produce a lot of big numbers and have some very big and very fun hits uh, with this Jays team. Well, I I actually, I I really like both of your answers because they're not, like quote unquote obvious answers, right? I I love Rowdy Telez and and I hope that uh, he has a year that we're hoping that he can have. You know uh, that that type of power and production at the plate and vision at the plate as well is something that's kind of rare, and you see that a lot with Vlad, where the guy hits absolute bombs, but he walks way more than he strikes out. And he like he he hits loud doubles and and just the the way that he plays the game that's what I really like to see from plate discipline perspective because I feel like plate discipline is has been thrown to the wayside in today's MLB. A guy like Rowdy Telez kind of reminds me a little bit of of that type of player, which is nice, and hopefully he can continue that trend moving forward. For me, I ha- I actually have two players as well. So it's it's funny that you brought brought up two. I have two, but one I have as a position player, everyday player, and the other one is a pitcher. And my pitcher is uh, Ryan Barucki. And to me, I don't. I, I we still don't even really know if he's going to be in the starting rotation come the beginning of the season. I think it would be a crime if he wasn't. But if he if he is. I would really love to see how he can handle a full season. He was arguably the Blue Jays' best pitcher in the second half of the year. And I think that he's done more than enough to assert himself in the starting rotation and put pressure on guys like Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez to say, hey, you need, uh, I'm, I'm younger than you and I'm pitching at this level. You need to step it up if you guys feel like you're the aces of this team step up your game otherwise I'm going to surpass both of you so I really want the internal competition to raise the Strowmans and the Sanchez's of this team so that they elevate their game as well I think that is healthy for everyone involved so I'm hoping that we can see that for the second position for the second player the position player I'm looking forward to watching this year is Lord Esguriel Jr. and I expect big things from Lord Esguriel Jr. I think that he with a with a healthy obviously healthy is the main caveat in every argument with a healthy full season under his belt i think that he can make some noise in all-star voting and i think that he will take a big leap this year i think that he showed unbelievable flashes especially just before he got hurt last year he was playing at such a stupidly high level that if he can carry that momentum or that feel into this year it's it's the 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 sky's the limit for this guy if he can show me what he's shown in the previous years and put that together over a full year I think that he can definitely make some noise for all-star voting do I think he'll be an all-star no probably not 
but he can definitely at least make some noise and say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm cemented in the blue Jays infield. And regardless of whatever infield prospects you got, man, I'm not leaving. This is my job. And I think that he's going to really take that step this year and show why he deserves to have that spot. But yeah, I, I think, I think that there's going to be a lot of interesting things to look forward to with the blue Jays this year. They're going to be an exciting team. They're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be young. They're going to be like how the 2015-2016 Maple Leafs were when they got Austin Matthews that first year. And then then William Elander is playing and Mitch Marner and these guys were young. And, you know, we didn't expect too much. We didn't expect them to make the playoffs and they did. But, you know, we didn't expect much. We we, We expected it to be a fun year. And I think that Blue Jays fans just don't look at the standings. It doesn't matter. Watch a game. Enjoy the players. Have have some hope. Have, have enjoy. Just watch. Sit back. You know they might lose a game seven six, but who cares? Like these are moments. These are teaching moments for these guys. This is a rookie manager. Like let this happen now and watch the organic growth because it will be something special. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I also think tall Blue Jays fans go to games. They're so fun. Like. And the tickets yes. are going to be dirt cheap, hopefully, this year, like especially in the 500s. It, that's probably the best part of you know the summer is going out for a little afternoon rip, couple Absolutely. beers, couple couple baseball innings, and it, it's just fun. Like I, I love doing that's like my one of my favorite activities to do. I try to go like you know twice a month kind of thing to to a couple games here and there, and it's like it's the best. It's the best. Why? Why not? Right? It's super. It's it's the most affordable, um, bigger event for sports in Toronto, right? Like Leafs and Raptors are like you have to throw away your life savings to get tickets. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely worth exploring, especially if you haven't gone. I don't know why you haven't gone, but you should definitely go. Especially, yeah, you know, they got the five dollar concessions now for beers yep, and, and hot dogs, and oh yeah, I mean, they only have one per floor, quote unquote, like one per like one hundreds, two hundreds, and five hundreds, yeah. but. You know, it's it's a step in the right direction. They're they're enticing fans to come out. They're making the right decisions. They're making the right moves. Go out, show your support, right? Like it's it's you're gonna if you do that, then you can tell your kids and grand and grandkids. You know, uh, the first ballot Hall of Famer Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I saw one of his first seasons in the Blue Jays and all that. You know what I mean? Like you can you yeah. can say those things. You can you can be proud of your team. Just be proud. Go out, have a couple beers, be with some buddies. Go watch some baseball, and then you can go out and do whatever at night. It's just it's so worth it. Yeah, best I agree. experience you'll have. I agree. So that's gonna probably wrap it up because uh, it's been it's been quite the episode. It's a lot of stuff that we jam packed into here, but I wouldn't have it any other way. There's a lot to talk about in this city, so I thought that touching on the Maple Leafs, Raptors, and Blue Jays was probably just the best to do in one podcast. Obviously, you know uh, the floor is yours right now, Hunter. You can promote. Uh, Whatever you want, uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's sports related or not. You promote anything take six, Hunter related, doesn't matter. Go for it right now. I'll, I will let you have the floor. Yeah, so uh, please, everyone, if you if you could do so, um, if you liked me on this episode, you can search us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast. I think you can find us there. Just search take six and you'll be able to find us. We've got a website, takesex.org. I wrote a piece the other day on, well, today I think I posted it on the five things that I'm most excited for for this Jay season. 
we try to post, you know, a couple articles per week, a couple blog posts per week. We have the podcast up there as well. If you somehow can't find us, um, that's about it. Keep, uh, keep showing the love. I really enjoyed coming on to this podcast with you, Connor. I had a great time and you're hey, right. Man. Being a guest is, is very different, but it's, it's very different. Host, yeah. host to guest is very different because, because yeah. then it's like you're, you're on, you're on the wavelength of, of the host and, and you're, and then when you're the host, you have to set the wavelength, right? You're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta make sure that we're that we're flowing and stuff like that. But you know, guys, make sure that you that you follow Take Six on Twitter. Uh, I'm gonna post a link in the description of this podcast. So if you're not 100% sure where it is, how to spell it, whatever, I got that all laid out for you. I'll be retweeting some of their stuff. Also, ch- take a look at the article. I'll be posting that on my Twitter as well. So make sure that you're taking a look at all this stuff. And if you do like hearing Hunter on this podcast, please go subscribe to his podcast, Take Six. Again, you can find it wherever you get podcasts. It's 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 a great listen, and hopefully you'll you'll get it. You'll get some people that want to uh, hear more from you because they're sick of my voice. So uh, <laughs> they'll move they'll move on over to you. But uh, Hunter, it was it was great chatting literally everything Toronto sports here on this podcast. Uh, thank you very much for stopping by and we'll definitely have to have you back on at some point. I appreciate it, my man. This is a great time. Thanks for listening. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TO underscore sports views. You can also listen to our previous podcasts on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and more. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. If you enjoyed the content and click that subscribe button. See you next time.